Somebody has to be the best in the business. Welcome to the AWAM podcast. Anime was a mistake. I'm your host, Andrew, and with me is my broadcast partner, Tim. Hello, everybody. And so we talk about anime. Well, before we get into the anime, we have something important to say about our last episode. Yes. Uh, so we're going to go into the corrections corner. Uh, if you don't know what the correction corner is, it's a corner that you sit in with a conical hat that says Baka on it, and you think about your mistakes. This will be our second correction corner. The first was when we made Britney Spears sit in the corner and think about what she did wrong when she invented anime in 2007. I have to this time sit in the corner and let you know that in our last episode, I said that fan dubs had become pretty good recently, and I meant fan subs. I know that's a hot button issue for a lot of people. It is? It is. Huh. I mean, especially when they're talking about which is better. Okay, fair. Yeah. I guess I get that. But that is our only mistake ever at this point. We'll keep a tally. Yeah. Uh, so on to what we've been watching. Andrew, what have you been watching? Nothing. Uh, because I'm a bad podcast host. Uh, I can agree with that. No, what happened was I have been uh, traveling, visiting my parents and my brother And I just got back to my studio and I had a lot of real life stuff to do, you know, like grocery shopping, cleaning my apartment, making sure I don't live in filth. Uh, So I didn't watch anything aside from the episodes we're talking about. Well, that's why I'm here to make up for your mistakes. So the first thing I actually wanted to talk about this, not super in depth because, you know, we don't want to do any spoilers for what's going on. But I did check out Citrus, which I believe you watched the first episode of. Yeah. And it's a lot more interesting than I thought it was going to be. My first impression... How far have you got in? Three episodes. Okay. So my first impression when reading about it was, okay, this is going to be a Yuri anime with some, shall we say, naughty tropes. What's a Yuri anime? It's an anime about girls kissing each other. Oh. Yeah. That's a genre? That's a genre. But anyways, Citrus, I thought, was basically going to be just that. And it is that to an extent, but I also felt that in the first three episodes, they started exploring some really serious themes, uh, such as, I mean, I, I am by no means, like, an expert or authority on any of these themes, but I thought they were really getting into some ideas like feminism and what it's like to be uh, growing up homosexual in Japan. Okay. As opposed to just being like, oh, the girls want to kiss each other. It it really kind of gets into the way that these characters look at uh, sexuality and the way they think other people do. Which is, it's something like, once the season ends, I do want to get into it a bit more, especially if it does continue with these themes. But I I thought Citrus had a lot more to it than just, you know, a normal Yuri anime. See, I'll be honest, I'm really excited that you're saying this stuff, because when you first told me that was a genre, literally all my brain is going, what am I doing? How did I get myself into this? 
and how much of a mistake this was. I mean, a lot of anime is a mistake. This one has potential, though. Okay. Up next is Darling in the Fran XX, which is the mecha anime by Studio Trigger. I had really high expectations for this one. And so far, it's not bad, but it's not good. Well, again, how far into it are you? Also three episodes, I believe. Yeah, I believe everything is at roughly like three or four yeah. episodes at this point. So to kind of go over what it does different from other mecha animes, first of all, in the part you're probably really going to not like, the mechs have big anime eyes and boobs. <sighs> also, uh, you've seen Pacific Rim, right? I have. And you know how two people have to be synced up to pilot a mech? You got drift. Yeah. Think about that, but the syncing up is always sexual. Well, sexual innuendo. More or less than Food Wars? Mm, more direct, like in the innuendo. Like, they're almost trying to use it as a theme as opposed to fan service. Okay. And again, that's something I'll get more into when we get to the end of the season, but... Why is everything this season seeming to be a sexy anime? Well, the next one I'm going to get into is not a sexy anime. The Junji Ito Collection, which we mentioned how it's an anime where they take some of the short stories of the best horror mangaka, in my opinion, Junji Ito, and turn them into an anime. So far, it's amazing. It, it's... They handle it so well. Though I will say, one thing I've never had to say about an anime before, the art is really good. The animation, not so great. Um, and it's, does it not seem like a stylistic choice? Nah, nah. I think they just didn't necessarily have the budget to make super fluid animation, and there's times where they zoom out of the characters and have kind of wide shots, but the art is very lacking in detail but when they get close up it's very detailed and perfectly captures how junji ito draws so a lot of the art's very good a lot of the animation is substandard but what matters more is how they handle junji ito's stories and they do it very well so far this is easily my favorite anime of the season okay and i have one more and it's killing bites and I gotta say, I expected it to be bad, but it's way worse than that. That's the really fan service one you were talking about, right? Yeah. So before I get into it, I have to give a content warning. To explain why this show is so bad, I have to talk about a fairly graphic depiction of uh, sexual assault. So if that's going to bother you, just skip, you know... Say probably. I, will, I will cut in and, and, and mention what timestamp to jump to. Thank you very much. Hey everyone, Future Andrew here. Uh, so if you don't want to hear about this, you're going to want to skip to 10 minutes, 30 seconds. So this anime opens with a schoolgirl walking along a dark street and a van passing by and she gets pulled into the van. Then a bunch of guys in the van hold her down, start ripping off her clothing, and immediately I'm like, this is, this is god-awful. And I think in their minds, they thought it was okay, because the girl then 
transforms into some sort of badger werewolf and tears them all apart. But using that to establish that your character is a badass, it was just bad. It's like, why did you think this was a good idea? It just... Especially in an anime that's so much about the fan service, so you're kind of expected to be sort of, I'll say, titillated by it. Like, putting that in, just... Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, that seems like an issue. That's definitely an issue. How how are you... Like, I don't personally enjoy fan service. We've been over this. But, like, I don't understand how you can enjoy a fan service um, series if you're kind of basically seeing a depiction of attempted rape. Yeah. So when I said last time that this was going to probably be bad, now I'm going to have to say just even if you want a mediocre fighting anime with a ton of TNA, just pass this one up. Don't even try to watch it. It's not worth your time at all. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing I will say. Like, I am of the opinion typically that I don't necessarily mind that kind of stuff being shown when handled correctly when handled correctly but to do something like that in something as something as frivolous as a basically fan service vehicle is that actually is riling me up it's very very bad and honestly uh it's not often that i watch part of an anime and just like go like this isn't only bad this is bad (laughs) Like, this shouldn't exist. Well, and here's a question. Yes? Is it something, is it down to something cultural? I don't think so. Because this is something I feel wholly unequipped to say yes or no, but that is a question I feel like we have to ask every time we have something like this. I'm no expert on this, but I'm going to say I don't think it was, it's cultural. Now, I mean, I hope not. And and yeah, it's it's just one of those things where it's like, I don't know how sexuality in Japan and sexual assault in Japan is treated at all. I don't either. So if you're listening and do know, I guess let us know, because this is not something I want to research. <laughs> Me either. Uh, anyways, why don't we get to our main course? Yeah. So we're going to look at the first Shokugeki. Which means food duel. Yeah, so it's episode six and seven, and I want to remind everyone that you'll know everything we're covering for every week if you go to look at our schedule on the website, which is awam.pizza. Dot pizza. So that way you can keep up and know what we're going to talk about, and so if you're watching along, you can keep up, or you know, if you if we get ahead of you, you know where to where to wait and catch up. So jumping right in, well, actually bringing up a little bit of what we covered last time. So the last episode ended with Arena basically using Shokugeki to take over a club and then demolish it. This one basically opens up with her trying to do the same thing to the Dawn Club. Except with one big caveat. She's using an underling. She's using an underling who's wearing a red, white, and blue bra. Very boobily. Very boobily. But do you know what Dawn is, Andrew? Um, isn't it kind of meant to be kind of a meal in a bowl? Yeah, basically. I, I think so. I'm no expert on it either. Like, it's kind of fast food? Kind of, yeah, I think so. I mean, I was actually kind of hoping you had the answer because I've seen, like, the pictures of the Dawn in uh, the show, but I'm not super familiar with it. 
I mean, I'm trying to... Oh, wait, here we go. Found it. It is a Japanese rice bowl dish. I don't see anything really being said on the Wikipedia page as it being, like, fast food, but that that was the vibe I got from the show. Yeah. Anyways, enter Akumi Mido, the underling of Arena who has the red, white, and blue bra. She is the quote-unquote meat master. Just let that sink in for a second, and then I'll explain it. Yeah, I'll have things to say about that. <laughs> She has access to the highest quality meat. Basically, the unbelievably expensive sort of meat. And she knows exactly how to cook it. So, kind of like in a battle anime, they hype up the antagonist's powers, whatever they are. In this case, her powers are cooking meat. So, she's the one who's challenged the Dawn Club to Shokugeki. And it's looking like the Dawn Club is about to go under, like the, uh, the club in the last episode. However, Soma uh, comes in to save the day. He says he'll do the Shokugeki for the Dawn Club. And if I'm remembering correctly, I believe the terms are if Akumi wins, then Soma will leave the school. And if Soma wins, Akumi will join the Dawn Club. Oh, wait, no. Correct. And, and, and the Dawn Club gets more money. Yeah. Oh, and also if Soma loses, the Dawn Club gets disbanded. Oh, yeah. And bulldozed. So... Anyways, Soma, representing the Dawn Club, needs to make a Dawn dish. I think they both had to make Dawn dishes, right? Yeah, they agreed on the theme being Dawn's and the secret ingredient being meat. Well, the not-so-secret ingredient being meat. (laughs) So I think that's pretty much all of episode six. They're just setting up the shokugeki that's going to happen in the next episode. So you know who the main players are and what they're doing. Well, and also they show Soma actually doing work and, like, figuring things out. That's true. And actually, that is something I like about the show is they do often show the the work and experimentation that different characters put into their dishes. They sometimes show characters coming up with a dish on the fly, but they also show characters putting in a lot of work to perfect a dish. Well, and I think that's important simply because we haven't seen Soma do that yet. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, also at the beginning, we find out that uh, was a polar star, the dorm. Uh, they have a nice garden. Ah, yes. And we also find out Megumi has like stage fright for cooking because she cooks them a delicious meal after they've all been gardening. And everyone's like, oh, oh, why can't you do this in class? So about the really nice garden, up until now, we've just seen Satoshi in nothing but a pink apron. We get to see him wearing more, less clothes, more... I just can't imagine how dirty he would be. He's wearing, like, the the Japanese, like, thong worker thong type deal. Yeah. All I have written in my notes is stupid sexy Satori. (laughs) Satoshi, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but he's stupid sexy. Again, we mentioned this last time, but one of the best themes of this show is equal opportunity fan service. Doesn't matter whether you like men or women, you'll get it. So on to the Shokugeki. Ikumi brings in the very best meat as everyone expected. Soma brings in cheap supermarket beef. On sale. On sale. Which, you mentioned how you thought the Dawn was kind of a fast food thing. And I think the reason you got that impression is Soma talks about how kind of the spirit of the dish is it's not an expensive dish. It's not supposed to be something you pay a ton of money for. Yeah, and especially fast food might be a little 
mean to the dish. I, but I mean, it's just food that you're meant to go and like get, and it's not expensive, and you eat it, it's quick. Yeah. The impression yeah. I got was kind of like a uh, a loco moco. Are you familiar with them? I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, uh, they're particularly popular in Hawaii. I believe they were invented in Hawaii as well. Basically, it goes rice, meat patty, gravy, egg. Oh, I've had that. I just had no idea what that was called. Yeah, and it's not something that, like, you go to a good loco moco place and it kind of looks like fast food, but it takes actually, like, a decent amount of time and it's much better than fast food, like, taste-wise. But it's also cheap. That's kind of the uh, impression of the dawn that I got. It's working class. Yeah. So, Ikumi makes her dawn, she finishes first, and surprise, surprise, the dish really relies on the flavor of the beef, but it's beyond excellent and uh, also i want to point out she uses a french technique you want to tell us more about it i mean it's not that important it's just more important that it's not japanese yeah i will say in the show having watched the first and second season you definitely see more of a focus on japanese dishes but also you see them talking about a lot of other countries food and techniques which i I mean i think is good you know this is made um i just I just think it's more important to bring up because of what Soma makes. Mm. So then Soma presents his dawn. The judges at first don't want to even eat it. It's like this is this is low quality trash. But then once they actually try it, you know, as opposed to where they you know tasted Akumi's dish, they completely devour Soma's dish. They can't stop eating it. Well, and can I pop in for a second here to explain what Soma made? Yes, please do. So he made chalapin steak. I know I butchered that name, but whatever. Uh, It's basically a famous Western actor had a toothache, and so he needed soft food Mm. while he was in Japan. And through Japanese ingenuity, they made this steak that was uh, basically tenderized with onions. And so that is why I thought it was important to bring up that, like, Kumi made a, like, French japanese dish whereas soma made a japanese japanese dish if that makes sense but also one of the main reasons he won was ikumi's dish was entirely based around the meat there wasn't even really any reason to eat the rice it was served on they just ate the meat and said this is great uh we love the meat while soma's dish was more i think the words holistic experience where all the you know all the flavors and all the (coughs) parts mixed together and none of them were too filling on their own so the judges wanted to eat all of it yeah, which also, he made plum rice, which I've actually had and is delicious. I have never had that, but I'll take your word for it. So after the Shokugeki, the episode winds down pretty quickly. Uh, Akumi is no longer one of Verena's underlings because she lost. Uh, Soma gives her a nickname, Akumi, which according to my research means sweet meat. Uh, that was actually what I was going to ask, <laughs> what that, what the significance of that name was. Uh, or, actually, in my notes, I think I might have gotten this wrong. Uh, the English dub, they call her Sweet Meat. I don't know if that's what Nakumi means. Uh, let, me, let me look that up and try not to press on my keyboard too loudly. Well, while okay, Tim was well, looking that up, um, the episode basically ends with him calling her cute. She's angry and then shows up at the uh, 
dawn club meeting like the next day and she's real nervous and like she it seems like she kind of likes soma now and then she finds out that soma isn't there and that soma didn't actually join the club he was just checking it out and she gets real angry okay so the the english dub calls her sweet meat instead of nakumi nakumi is just her name combined with the japanese word niku which means meat so he's kind of calling her meat akumi as <laughs> best okay. i can best i can put this together but right. i think uh that's the episode yeah. So why don't we talk about Mito a bit? Okay. Because I think she is a very interesting character in this. Because the the first thing I want to talk about is how she reacts to Soma's food. Mm. Which is very different from anyone else so far. Because he tells her that the that his uh, Don will tell her a story. It'll whisper to you or sing to you. I forget which one. And it's really, really interesting where she's like... It, basically causes her to like look at her like upbringing and like why she became so obsessed with like strength and meat i mean yes there's a little bit of fan service at the end of course there is but like it's mainly her like having this traumatic experience of her dad tearing up her teddy bear and being like you have to be strong and one of the things we talked about in the last episode is how Yes, a lot of the food experiences are sexual, but also people experience it differently uh, in ways that does kind of keep it fresh. Like you see some kind of almost spiritual experiences in this case, you know, being told a story. Uh, Satoshi kind of had almost like a meditative experience with uh, Soma's dish. So I do think they use that to keep it fresh. But, you know, that and also it seems like they do it almost as there's like a higher level mm. it seems the more important dishes are the ones that cause people to have this yeah so it's almost like i i view it a little bit as they may be making a statement of theirs so there is simple like almost sexual pleasure which is the normal stuff and then there's like something above that maybe um i'd have to really go through and look at how other dishes operate throughout the first two seasons but i i could exactly definitely see i don't it have enough like data yeah, we'll keep track of that as we go through the show. Yeah. Also, I want to point out, also, kind of, uh, Kumi is is a big part of this. Remember how I said the fan service didn't necessarily bother me? Yeah. In the last episode? Oh my god, did it really bother me this episode? Or these two episodes. Well, why didn't you explain? Everything involving Akumi was some weird sexual innuendo or fan service and it drove me crazy they definitely like, did go hard on that yeah like 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 i have quotes here the pleasure of meat is like something she says regularly or like megumi says can we really beat meat like that <laughs> uh i'm not sure that that context is in uh, is there for japanese speakers it might be it might not but definitely for english speakers <laughs> It's a lot of meat jokes. Well, like, it was just too much. And then also the constant boob jiggle from her. Constant And then boob even um, the dude who ran the uh, Dawn Club, his hair was basically a dick. Well, also, I wasn't bothered by that at all. Uh, what, I believe the... Is that art style called a pompadour? Is that what it's called? Uh, vaguely, yeah. Um... Let me look that up. I mean, it is a pompadour. It's just like a push further than most are. Well, you actually see uh, depictions of 
people who are supposed to look like delinquents with absurdly long pompadours. That is something I've definitely seen in anime before, and I don't think they were trying to make it look like a dick. I think they were... I've seen those guys in real life. Like, yeah, no, that's a a thing. My problem was more, like, it would go hard and soft. I don't remember that, but I'll take your word for it. Believe me, it it does. Like, he would get excited and his hair would get stiff. (laughs) That's unfortunate. And also the idea that, that, uh... Akumi is it, when she cuts his hair off is is like I, I definitely see that as like a castration thing like she's taking control mm. um, which by the way I do have to say I do love the commercial interlude and the fact that his hair is like taped together the rest of the time I do I actually, love that I thought that was pretty funny too oh here's another quote the sonata of meat that one's not sexual that one just was weird uh, kind of sounds like you're mi- like if you mixed uh, Shokugeki and Castlevania. Yes, Castlegeki, the Sonata of Meat. But yeah, this episode just got way too much for me with the the sexual overtones. I mean, as long as they don't do a beach episode, I think I'm okay. Well, for me, it just felt like uh, the stuff that I was okay with last episode made sense. Yeah. I don't love it, but it made sense. This just felt like TNA for the sake of TNA. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I think it is. But and I mean, for I me, also it was feel just like really distracting. Satoshi walking around in nothing but a pink apron is also that. And again, we have different tolerances for this, but that's not necessarily something I mind being put into anime as long as it's not the focus. Well, for me, it's it's just I'm worried that it's going to continue down this path and I'm going to get more and more annoyed with it. I don't think so, but it's been I mean, a I little bit not. since I went through the whole series because I did kind of binge watch it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was I, I did really like these, though, aside from that stuff. I mean, so far, my impression of the show is still that it's it's pretty good. I would say it's one of the best battle animes in a long time. Yeah, well, and they, and they continue with the themes of the upper class versus the lower class. You have a, a basically meat mogul versus uh, a dawn club, which is basically viewed as, you know, working class food. You know, he gets on sale meat. So those themes are still there and still going strong. Um, yeah, so I think they, they did a good job. I don't think there's much more to talk about with these episodes, but... The next arc we're going to be covering is pretty big. Yeah, and and I do want to go kind of on a tangent, but go on a is tangent. there anything else you really wanted to say kind of directly pertaining to these episodes? Nope, go on your tangent. So one thing I've been thinking a lot about with this show is Iron Chef Japan. Have you ever watched that? I have not. I've not watched any of the Iron Chef shows, so you're going to have to explain a good bit. So the original Iron Chef Japan is fascinating. It's something I would watch back in the day. Now... There's actually a story behind the Iron Chef stuff. Okay. And I'm just going to read. The story behind Iron Chef is Chairman Kaga realized his dream in a form never seen before and specifically constructed a cooking arena called Kitchen Stadium in his castle. There, visiting chefs from around the world would compete against his gourmet academy led by three Iron Chefs later four. Wait, wait. Is this real life? That's the story behind the show. Is like he built this like kitchen battle arena in his castle because he wants to try new things and he's bored of the boring food that everyone gives him yeah i'm just asking is this like a show conceit or is this uh like yeah you couldn't actually own a castle right 
Those would all be historical sites. Oh, no, no, sites. yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely a show conceit. Okay, that's what I thought, but it's like, I don't think you can legally own a castle anymore, since they're, like, they historical sites. You can own a historical site? Yeah, well, not all of them are protected horse uh, historical sites. Mm. Um, but, I, well, I can't speak for Japan, but I know in, like, England and, and Ireland. But, so, you have that, and, and what's important is that it's treated seriously. Like, they went and made a backstory, a conceit for why this stuff is happening. And the conceit is not, hey, we're making a TV show. The conceit is Castle Kitchen Battle Arena. Yeah. I really like that. That is way more fun than, hey, we're making a TV show. This is some reality TV about cooking. Exactly. And and that's something that, that Iron Chef America and USA did not understand. While there were some, you know, like like people knew who was getting challenged and that kind of stuff. But and this is this is with my research. Um I've only been able to find if they if they knew if it was a vegetable or meat. Huh. Whereas in Iron Chef America, they knew what the ingredient was and everything. That honestly sounds way more interesting. <laughs> yeah, and and Grant, I if someone has a correction, I would love to hear it. But that's all I've been able to find on on Japan specifically. Mm. It seems like they only knew if they were getting a vegetable or a meat, and like they would make um like stocking lists for them, but they didn't know exactly what they were getting. And also, they were battling it out in a castle kitchen. Yeah, some mad scientist, like, or not scientists, but like, this this mad rich dude's castle. <laughs> oh my god, that is, that's really good. And I can see where that kind of bridges over to uh, food wars. Yeah, well, it's like they took the time to make it a serious thing, so it is treated seriously. Mm. Whereas in the American shows, it's just people in a kitchen, and it doesn't have any magic there. Yeah. Because just people in a kitchen. And, like, they, they don't even world build much. It's just, like, a little snippet at the beginning of the show and, like, occasional comments. But that's it. It kind of makes me think, actually, of uh, professional wrestling where you often have a, a setup for, like, um, there's, oh, what's the word? You definitely, kayfabe, you know, yes. where this is this is a real fighting tournament. You know, the difference being with Iron Chef is their actual cook-offs. But the idea that this is... You know, it's a real thing with a real plot and, the you know, having a kind of kayfabe element to Iron Chef is I, I do think that makes it a lot more fun. Exactly. They have these um, TV conceits that you have to have. Uh, also, but they act like they're not there. You're the wrestling expert. You should explain to everybody what kayfabe is. I mean, since kayfabe you're making is me just simply the illusion that you're keeping the the in story stuff and you act like it's real. You know, like wrestlers back in the day would get fired if they got beat up in a bar because then you people would, you know, you weren't keeping kayfabe. People thought that you, you know, you they wouldn't think you're tough anymore because you got beaten in a bar by like a normal person. Um, but also another point, uh, Takeshi Kaga was the chairman in Iron Chef Japan. Mm-hmm. He was he was like decently famous in Japan for playing Jesus Christ in Jesus Christ Superstar and Tony in the West Side Story. Really? So he was known as being this flamboyant art guy who, like, is kind of eccentric. So he was already known as being eccentric, so it actually fit into the persona he was taking on in the show. Exactly. And, like, on, like, Iron Chef USA, like, Shatner was the chairman being, like, Shatner. And then I don't even remember if in Iron Chef America, if they had a chairman. 
Oh, they had the that um oh what is his name? I don't know what his name is. Mark Dacascus, that's his name. That is a name that someone has. But like he's not the same level. Like it, it, it he's playing a character whereas Kaga was basically playing himself even though he was playing a character. Yeah. And so I and and that's kind of what I wanted to talk about where it's like Iron Chef Japan worked because it basically like you said it has the idea of kayfabe. Like it's treated seriously and you just let yourself be taken in by that. Yeah. And that's how I that's why I think Food Wars is interesting in work because you just let the conceit wash over you. It's treated seriously and therefore can be used as a substitute for literal fighting yeah which i mean is my favorite part of the show is that yeah it's a battle anime and nobody ever punches anybody else yeah so and and that's kind of been in the back of my head when we've been when we started with this and it finally kind of crystallized after this first shokugeki Mm. yeah because this is where the battle part starts Picking up a little bit. It really goes into full gear at the end of season one and all through season two. But this is where you definitely see the more battle oriented like part of the show. Uh, and that is the Shokugeki's, the food duels. Yeah. And that's kind of why I wanted to take an episode and just really talk about this, the first Shokugeki, because I think it's important. Because yeah, if it is this too. Shokugeki didn't work, the anime is dead in the water. Yeah, I mean, next week, I believe we're going to be covering the, like, away camp arc. So there's not a whole lot of, there's a little bit of battling in it, but it's mostly, like, pass or fail sort of obstacles. That is correct. But after that, I believe it's straight into pretty much always Shokugeki. So, especially going into season two... You better like Shokugekis because you're going to see a lot of them. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, but that that is worth mentioning. Next week's episode is going to be carrying through a lot of episodes. So we will try to really cut down the, the summary. Hopefully we do a good job. If we don't, yell at us. No, yell at Andrew, not me. I want to give you a heads up so you know what's, you know, there's a little bit more to watch this week if you're watching along. Yeah. Um, but again, if you want to keep up with the schedule, it's all written down on awam.pizza. Also, also, something really big just happened. Right, Andrew? Yeah. Yeah, we're on iTunes now. We're on iTunes. They let us on, those fools. <laughs> uh, it's not just anime that was the mistake. Letting our podcast on to iTunes was also the mistake. Absolutely. We're also waiting on the Google Play Store to approve us. Um, and if there's anywhere else you want us, let us know. And yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what we can do. We'll definitely at least try. Uh, if if they know what they're getting into, they probably won't let us anywhere near their storefront. But we'll try. Yeah. We've already snuck into iTunes. Yeah, Apple let us in. Apple. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So hopefully you enjoyed our episodes so far and are going to continue enjoying them. Like I said, you can find us at awam.pizza. Uh, you can follow us on the social medias, awam underscore P-O-D. That's our Instagram and Twitter. So if you have corrections for us, just send them up at the Twitter. Yes. Um, and if you want to, we also have a SoundCloud. 
Yep. So if you like it, you can listen to us on the website. You can listen to us through any like iTunes podcast stuff or SoundCloud. You got options. But any any way you listen to us, you still have to listen to us talk about anime. That's the only thing we talk about. And Iron Chef Japan. And wrestling. But mostly anime. I absolutely recommend everyone go watch some Iron Chef Japan. It's amazing. It's on YouTube. It's easy to find. That'll be all for us this week, folks. Yeah, we'll see you next week.